Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Gandhi Apple Press. I am your host, Kylie Gable, and as a special treat today, we are joined by the real heel, uh, Miss Allison Jerry. Hello. <laughs> so this is going to be uh, the second interview we've ever done on the show, and Allison has done three audios so far for us. She has done Property of the Cheerleaders, uh, The Cucky Sitter, and High Heeled Coo. And um, I just sent her three, I think, today, three more today to pick from. Yes. So hopefully we're going to have lots of Allison audio in the future. Yes, I'm very excited and very honored to work with you. Thank you. Well, which of the three that you've done, which one was your favorite? Uh, the Cucky Sitter, since it was the first one. And um, and in order, I would say the high heeled coup and then the cheerleaders so far. Cool. It's actually property. Of the cheerleaders is actually probably my favorite, only because it's basically Goodfellas. Yeah. And I think that that was that's unique. But I, I you got three decent stories for me. There, are, I love all the stories I wrote, or I wouldn't publish them. But some I like better than others, and you got three of my favorites. So yeah. you a good choice. Love it. <laughs> so. We actually didn't set up this um, this interview until today, and we we set it up on uh, chatting on um, text messaging, and so um, this is the danger of working like <laughs> me when you're a submissive sissy and you're generally working with dominant women. I mentioned that you know since the quarantine, I've become pretty disgusting. And I haven't shaved my beard. And I have to talk about this for a second. Um, right now, um, I believe that the fourth book in the um, College Changes a Guy series is being recorded by Shayla Aspasia. And in it, she talks, or I talk, about my neck beard, which <laughs> was my rebellion against feminization when I was 18. I would say the neck beard has grown to cover three or four more inches of my face. It still belongs in a 1990s alternative record store, and that's pretty much about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I mentioned, I had a pretty gross beard, and I said, you know, I haven't shaved since quarantine began. And, and let me quote the, the lovely message I got back from, from <laughs> Alex. You're going to get on Skype with Mistress A, and you wouldn't even be presentable, whether being seen or not. Wow, I'm slightly appalled. Shave, clean, find the pretty little thong, pantyhose, and dress, and we have a date. Your face should be as smooth as my ass. <laughs> Followed by two emojis. <laughs> And you have 3.5 hours. <laughs> this uh, is the danger for people like me. <laughs> but it's so obedient, though. It's great. <laughs> well, can you hear this? <laughs> totally obedient. I And I know that you would jump at the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear this? Uh-huh. Yes. That is my shoe hitting the floor. So, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, yeah, it's. 
So what pretty little thong did we find today? I don't have much in the way of thongs, not surprisingly. Um, I, I, I actually had to go with a pair of black bikini panties. Okay. Um, the, the dress is a black and purple one. Uh-huh. And I have the, the black strappy sandals. Love it. All right. Uh, the hose, I, if you're going to shave your legs, you, you might as well will not go for dark hose. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I, I didn't do a huge amount of makeup, uh, but I did do the makeup and the wig. So, how, yeah, smooth, yeah. how smooth is your face? I, I have no comparison to your ass, but I'm, I'm hoping it, it's in that range. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, this, by the way, I was just saying, is the first time I have done one of these podcasts dressed. So... It, it definitely like, is a bit different. Looks like you um, have a thing going on then. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I, I, I'm just actually writing a, a scene in a book now where I'm talking about talking to my dad on the phone when I was dressed up. Mm-hmm. No, you know, no way to see, you know, no way to know. Mm-hmm. But yet, there was just something like, Somehow he's gonna know that I'm wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing is, um, I have a food delivery coming sometime in the next hour and a half. <laughs> where I record, I have a real. Gla- I have a lot of my front door is glass, uh-huh. but it, you know it's kind of like that safety glass that kind of you know you can't really see through. But yeah. there are like diamonds in the middle of it that you can kind of see through and um i i record and, and write pretty much in my front room mm-hmm. so <laughs> be interesting right I called you I, I thought i heard a truck and i was looking uh-huh. so <laughs> hopefully i have enough concealment here i'm not sure um so how did now actually I'll go back one of the things that I have always that I liked about you from the beginning is, you know, when when guys first start getting interested in girls, it it always felt to me like there were two types of girls. There were like the delicate, pretty little flowers that you didn't want to, you know, break. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, they would never get dirty or anything. Mm-hmm. And then there were the girls that you want to play football in the mud, sure, and then they actually be better than you or your friends at it. Um, right. and it, it always felt like you were the one you want to do this. Sure. I'll do anything once, you know, and I always felt that about you. And then you started doing burlesque, right? which to me is totally gutsy, <laughs> uh, which by the way, I, I, um, showed a, a really short clip to my writing partner, Claudia. Yeah. And she absolutely was gaga over it. Oh. It was where you were standing on your head on the chair. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was recent. And she was like, wait, wait. She, she's not like five foot two. She's like an actual woman. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my, yeah, Claudia was just loving it. So <laughs> you've got a fan out there. Yes, I'm so excited about that, and thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) You're welcome. So, how did you discover the joy of feminizing guys? Well, 
that would go. So let me take you back to when I was actually starting all of this. It was about, um, about almost four years ago. I was in a marriage and I wanted, I was discovering things about myself that I really wanted to venture down. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying, you know, I'll try anything once. And um, if it feels good, keep trying it. So I um, started getting into the BDSM and fetish kink community. And then from there, started discovering more of my dominant side. And then fast forward, I met an individual that really just latched on to me and, and helped me grow in that regard. And I, it was like having a life-size doll. It was amazing. The experience wow. for me was fantastic and I kind of got hooked. So um, one of the most memorable nights I will never forget is taking him to a club and then turning him to her and walking around with her on a leash and in this beautiful lingerie set. And um, it just, I, I was invigorated. I loved that moment that I got to share. And then um, it was like having, like I said, having a doll. And I, I, I never felt more alive than in that moment that I was with her. So... It, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> I I find that everybody you know gets into these things at a, at a different pace. Um, one thing that a lot of a lot of my readers always tell me is, "Wow, I can't believe you found four and then five, you know, dominant women when you were in college." Mm-hmm. And the thing I always tell them is, "No, there were two dominant women." There were three girls who just loved playing with dolls, and and there I was, you know? I mean, there were different reasons why everybody enjoyed it. And um, so I I, I definitely can get to the the doll thing. And I I think that, you know, it seems like you really, you know, you've tried, like you said, you try anything. Um, You you even done a a wrestling clip, which is is quite enjoyable. (laughs) Yes. You know, the brutality of Alice and Jerry. Yeah. So I've done two, actually. Oh, one, I know that. Yeah, one in, one in Florida, which is the one I think you're referring to. Yeah. And then I've done some, um, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I would say it's more low-key wrestling, but more scissor hold. And um, uh, yeah, I would say some wrestling moves with somebody here local to me um, in New Jersey. So it's... I have, guess I have two different things out right now, and I'd love to do more of it. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> well, you know, I I have, you know, the, the two big things, you know, and, and anybody who's been listening to this podcast, you know, will get it. The, the two big things for me are feminization and female domination. Mm-hmm. You know, those are in all the books. But yeah, I have a lot that have a bit of wrestling in there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the stories I gave you today was, uh, my wife's best friend kicked my ass, which has a sequel called my wife kicked my ass. <laughs> so, um, I think for me, what happened is, um, all my feminization started when I got challenged to a wrestling match mm-hmm. by one of the girls in my dorm. And, um, 
not only did I lose in a very humiliating fashion. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, God. It was bad. One of one of her uh, friends was sitting right above me as she pinned me and had the other girls give me a huge count. Instead of just three, I don't remember if they counted to 10 or 20, but it was a long count. Mm-hmm. And one of her friends says, so how does it feel to get your ass kicked by a girl? <laughs> and your response? I, I like to think that was the day I invented mansplaining. <laughs> um, I said I didn't want to hurt her. There was all this furniture in the way. Uh-huh. I, I came up with about a dozen explanations. And it would have been fine, except for the fact that she was still pitting it, pitting me when I was making all these excuses. Uh-huh. I really wasn't in a good position to be writing checks with my mouth in that particular particular say yeah, in that particular situation. Uh-huh. Uh, and so yeah, when I when I you know there there is definitely um, something about you know a, a beautiful woman kicking your ass, which uh, I, I'm also a sucker for. Yeah. Uh, and how tall are you? I am five six. So we're about the same. We're about the same height. Yeah. But I, I think if if I tried to balance on my head on a chair, <laughs> we there there would be traction involved. Um, <laughs> it would get ugly. So so I, I don't think I'd do too good with this low key wrestling against you either. Uh-huh. Um, but it's yeah. So you kind of cover all the three bases, which which I kind of write about. Oh. You're a smitten kitten with me. I love it. I am. I am. <laughs> you also have about the best picture, BDSM picture that I've ever seen. Oh, which one? It's on your website. And I'll have the link for the website. You can see if, if you agree with me or not. There's a picture of you sitting in a chair with a flagger over your shoulder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was wow. That was a lot of fun to shoot, too. Yeah, I bet. I'm definitely going to have a link down to that. And um, also check out some of Allison's stories. She has a lot of fun. Uh, I said this before about you. You're goofy. Yes. And I love that. Um, I think it was the corporate one, the high-heeled coup, yeah. where you sent me a clip of you cracking yourself up because you <laughs> couldn't say the word believe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I still never live it down. I let her live it down. I am constantly sending her messages that say believe. Believe. <laughs> Which, again, just like with Amanda in college where I was making all those excuses while she still pinned me down, we know I'm a submissive sissy. We know she's a very dominant woman, and I'm taunting her. This <laughs> this never ends well for us submissives. Never. Yeah, oh, that's so great. <laughs> well, well, thank you for stopping by, Alice. This this has been a lot of fun for me, and I and I hope for everybody listening to the podcast. And let me know how you like these interviews. I'm I'm trying to torn between keeping them as part of the regular podcast or separating them out and making them their own episodes. So uh, today's uh, today for uh, a clip. It's actually from an older audio. The coronavirus kind of has my schedule off for audios, and so it's April's Easter Bunny. But I, I looked, and the clip that I showed was 
a very short clip about Mardi Gras, and this one is what I'm going to play right now is a humiliating Easter egg hunt, which again something I actually experienced. This is worse than what I went through, but she is dressed as an Easter bunny and trying to find the plastic Easter egg that has the keys inside. So uh-huh. I think you're going to kind of like this story. Oh, I yeah, I I took what was done to me and made it way worse. So. <laughs> Love it. That's, that's what I like to do in my stories. So coming up next is a clip. It's Miss Jen Davis with another clip from April's Easter Bunny. On Easter morning, Paul was up at 530. He took a scented bubble bath and shaved all over before changing into that ridiculous pink bunny outfit. He was to be at April's by 7 a.m., and he knew better than to be late. Walking through the halls of the condo on Easter morning, wearing a pink bunny outfit was terrifying for Paul. It wasn't just the chance at humiliating exposure in the super-sexy bunny outfit, but also the worry that somebody might tell Sandra. Since April started tormenting him again, he'd had more close calls than he could count, and he didn't want another one. Or worse. He breathed a sigh of relief when he finally reached April's door. Though he also knew that he was going from the frying pan into the fire, he was relieved that he hadn't run into anyone he knew. He knocked on the door and waited for his fate to be sealed. When April opened the door, Paul was surprised to see her full of energy and vigor. She was not a morning person at all, so seeing her throw open the door to greet him was off-putting, especially when the conversation started with an enthusiastic, Here comes Sissy Cottontail, sashaying down the bunny trail. I'm here, okay, replied Paul. Please stop singing. More than okay, said April. She was dressed for Easter as well. She didn't look as matronly as Paul would in the fancy dress that they had bought him. She was looking amazing in a deep blue dress that hugged her figure perfectly, reminding Paul that whatever else she was, April was still a very beautiful woman. Paul was more than a little surprised to see April's friends, Brandy, Carla, and Sherry, entering the unit right behind him. They were all carrying canvas grocery bags that Brandy deposited in the kitchen. The three girls smirked and laughed at Paul as they closely examined his sexy bunny outfit. Looking so cute, Nicole, Brandy mocked. Sherry burst into a fit of giggles when Carla shook her head and whispered, No way, that's a guy. There isn't a real man on earth who'd ever wear that. April had decided to cater a continental breakfast for her friends, so at least Paul didn't have to cook. Instead, he busied himself making mimosas and serving April's guests. Over the next hour, another handful of girls arrived, and Paul already knew them all. Some had been friends of April since high school, and others were relatively new acquaintances like Carla, but they all knew April's sissy history. Paul endured having his ass slapped and pinched 
being teased and degraded, and basically mocked and harassed for the next hour. As Paul was cleaning up after the meal, April announced that it was time for the entertainment. Paul didn't know what that meant, but he knew he would be featured prominently. Brandy and Sherry approached Paul, and immediately Sherry twisted his arm up behind his back. Quickly, Brandy cupped them into place. Paul didn't offer any real resistance. He had learned that wasn't wise a long time ago. In fact, being put into bondage was such a normal thing to Paul now that he didn't even balk until Brandy and Carla started leading him toward the front door of the unit. Wait, where are we going? He cried in panic. But he couldn't really resist effectively while walking in the tall heels with his hands cuffed behind him. You'll see, said Brandy. You're going to get a chance to have some fun, said Sherry. April's unit was right next to the back stairs of the building. It took Brandy and Sherry no time to lead their prisoner down to the area behind the condo, with Carla and April laughing along with the other women who were excitedly watching. Unfortunately for Paul, this left a lot of windows with a good view of him if anybody decided to look out. He was shivering from jangled nerves when his guards led him out into the middle of the backyard. His brunch outfit had wedges, but the stiletto heels he was wearing kept sinking into the springtime grass, soft and wet with dew. As her friends all gathered on the balcony, April tossed an empty Easter basket down to Brandy, who handed it to Paul behind his back. He reluctantly took it, wondering just why she had given it to him. You're going to be a natural this game, I bet, said Brandy, as she crouched down and cuffed his ankles together. The cuffs restrained his legs were slightly larger than regulation police handcuffs. They didn't prevent him from walking, but he could only take tiny, mincing steps, and with his feet sinking in the wet grass, he was moving somewhere between the average land speed of a turtle and a sloth. W what are you going to have me do, stammered Paul. But the girls just directed his increasingly anxiety-plagued attention up to April and her friends on the balcony. What you're going to do, said April, is what every sissy bunny loves, an Easter egg hunt. Huh? Paul was dumbfounded. The keys to those cuffs, as well as some nice gifts for you, are in the plastic eggs scattered around the backyard. Your job is to find as many as you can. The girls on the balcony cheered, and Brandy and Sherry went back upstairs, leaving him all alone in his fate. Don't feel bad, April shouted down to him loud enough to attract attention from neighboring units. I was going to add a blindfold, but they all talked me out of it. The sooner you get looking, the sooner you can free yourself. Come on, let me back in, pleaded Paul. If you can find the keys, you can come in yourself, shouted April. Paul began looking at his feet for any eggs. There were a few eggs in plain sight on the grass, but he doubted that Brandy or Sherry would have put the keys in such an easily accessible place. The closest egg to Paul was a pink one. He tried to mince, but it was too hard on the grass. 
He soon realized that if he was careful not to land directly on his heels, he could cover more distance by hopping. Of course, seeing him hopping like a little bunny, wearing the bunny outfit, caused all the women on April's balcony to laugh out loud. (laughs) Soon he was on top of the egg, but he couldn't figure out how to pick it up with his hands cuffed behind his back. He hadn't realized it at the time, but Brandy had been sure to cuff his wrists in the middle of his back instead of letting his hands reach down to his behind. Paul stared at the pink egg in frustration as April's friends giggled and urged him on mockingly. Paul eventually figured out that while he couldn't reach down to pick up an egg, he could squat down low enough that he could just barely reach the egg with his fingertip. It wasn't easy, but he managed to pick up the egg as April and her friends cheered from the balcony and blew kisses at him teasingly. He opened the egg behind his back and reached inside to find a small tube inside. When April called out, Oh, pretty! He knew it was lipstick. Paul hopped to the next egg he could see. One by one, Paul made his way through all the eggs in plain sight and found more cosmetics, nail polish, perfume, and even penis-shaped chocolate and gummy candies. He dutifully dropped each and every egg, along with its contents, into the basket. Unfortunately, he still hadn't come across any keys, not that he thought he would. There was a long hedgerow of bushes the length of the backyard area, and Paul could see several of the brightly colored plastic eggs underneath the carefully manicured shrubbery. Paul didn't waste time. He elicited raucous laughter from his audience by dropping down on his stomach. The fake boobs he was wearing softened his fall a little. Rolling over on his side, facing away from the bushes, he inched across the ground and reached behind him to get more eggs. As he looked up at the balcony, he noticed the two stewardesses in the unit above April's had come out to watch. They waved at him, and he felt so embarrassed to be seen in this humiliating predicament. They were both very attractive women, and while he was already taken, he still hated them seeing him like this. Hearing the laughter from the balcony below them, one of the stewardesses called down to April. Hey, is he, I mean she, a bunny or an inchworm? An inch is about right, joked Brandy. He's not a worm, he's a garter snake, replied Carla. How can you tell, asked one of the stewardesses. You can see his garters, replied April. Paul couldn't fully follow their demeaning dialogue, so he didn't know why the women were laughing. But he could tell they were, and he knew it just had to be at his expense. Crawling through the grass and dirt, Paul felt behind him for the eggs. It was slow and degrading work, but it was his only chance at freedom. Opening a yellow egg, he at last found a key and received thunderous applause from April's friends and the two stewardesses on the balcony above. Taking the key, he awkwardly maneuvered behind his back to undo the cuffs, but soon realized the key was too big for the lock. It would fit his ankle cuffs, 
He couldn't reach those until he got his hands free. He simply wasn't flexible enough. After clearing through more eggs and finding only makeup, jewelry, and other feminine items designed to humiliate him, he had grown increasingly frustrated. Climbing up to his feet with both his hands and feet cuffed was a challenge. He wound up crawling over to the patio and using a chair to brace himself so he could pull himself up. As he frantically searched around the yard, he saw more faces pressed against the windows as more and more people were watching his humiliating display. Somewhere from his condo, but he saw that there were astonished and amused expressions in the window of some of the surrounding buildings as well. Finally, Paul spied another plastic egg. It was resting on the windowsill outside the laundry room, and he wasn't really sure how to reach it with his hands cuffed behind him. With full use of his arms, it would take about 30 seconds, but here he seemed truly stuck. Mocking cheers of encouragement came from the stewardesses and from the sadistic April and her friends. Finally, Paul found a big stick and used it behind his back, poking and swinging it frantically, trying to knock the egg down to the ground. He could tell it was heavier than the other eggs he had opened. It finally crashed to the patio and fell open. Inside was a solid egg-shaped ball of ice. There was something small and metallic inside that Paul deduced was the handcuff key. Paul stared at the egg, knowing he would be there until the ice melted. Sit on the egg, called one of the stewardesses. Yeah, use your body heat, agreed her friend. Paul did as they suggested, and after about seven tries, he finally plopped down on the ice egg. He used the heat of his own ass to melt the egg, which was more fun for the girls than even he they had planned on. I never thought I'd see a sissy bunny hatch an egg, called down April. Paul finally felt the ice melt into a pool of cold water. He fished around until he had a grip on the key, but his arms were still at an awkward angle as he struggled to uncuff his wrists. He eventually freed himself, a total of 72 minutes after Brandy and Sherry had let him out. Even as the women mockingly cheered him, Paul had never been so happy to type in his building's security code. He punched in three zero seven eight nine, just in time to run into Mr. and Mrs. Keeler, who were in the process of leaving home for Sunday Mass. It was awkward as they stared at Paul and he at them the older couple in their Sunday best, and him dressed as a slut in a pink playboy bunny lingerie outfit with a soaking wet bottom. Realizing he was caught dead to rights, he sheepishly greeted his mature neighbors. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Keeler. They had to have recognized him even if they hadn't figured out that he was their neighbor just from looking at him, Paul figured they'd at least recognize his natural voice, which he made no effort to hide. Still, they shuffled right past him 
visibly alarmed and disgusted at what they were seeing. Paul shrugged helplessly and walked up the stairs to the second floor. He knocked on April's door, and when he entered, everybody cheered. He had to show off every single thing he had found in the eggs and gush over them. He had doubled his collection of lipstick and nail polish that afternoon. I hope you enjoyed today's interview and uh, asshole audio clip. Um, I really enjoyed interviewing Allison. The only problem is when I get excited, I tend to do what a lot of guys do and start talking and talking and talking. And also trying to tie it back to my own stories. I kind of felt like I made that interview way too much about me and way not enough about her. Hopefully next time I'll be a better interviewer. That woman has got a lot of different aspects to her that I think um, listeners to this podcast will really appreciate. She's done three great audios. I hope you'll check them out on Clips for Sale. And um, hopefully there's another three or four coming too. Uh, The coronavirus has really messed with me. Amazon books are taking forever to get published. And um, it's sometimes hard to get people... Um, able to do the work because they have personal issues coming up, but um, I'm going to try to take advantage of the number of women who are out there who are kind of stuck at home, who, um, you know, because of quarantine, don't have a lot better to do than record for me, so I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. I hope you're safe, I hope you're healthy, and I hope they're not going insane with, uh, you know, I'm in Chicago, and We have a lockdown. Um, I hope you're not going insane with this and that you're staying healthy and that you are distancing yourself um, because the only way we really get through this is together. So um, I will be back next week, and I should have a new story next week from the wonderful, as always, Shayla Aspasia, um, another um, of my uh, autobiographical stories, College Changes a Guy. And I'm hoping to have more interviews. I I hope I'm going to have Shayla on next week. And I've already talked to Faith about doing one. Um, And I've talked to Mistress DJ a while back about doing one. So I hope you like the interviews. And if you don't, let me know that too. Um, And also, um, I'd love to know if you um, would like them as a separate podcast. Or like this one as just part of the regular podcast. Anyway, um, I will be back next week with another podcast. We're coming up near the end of the season soon, and when that happens, I will be uh, taking a little bit of a break. I like to have a little month off to recharge twice a year, and usually April is one of those. I think I might postpone it a little bit to about May, but I'll take a little bit of a month off and, and kind of recharge my batteries. And then come back with even more audio. We're not going anywhere. uh, Coronavirus or not. Have a great week. I'll be here next Monday.